Welcome back to the Mortgages Money and More podcast. I'm Craig Skelton, Principal of CS Mortgage Solutions and CS Retirement Solutions. And our weekly podcast aims to answer your questions about the world of mortgages and financial advice. Episode number 10, and it's welcome back to both Jason and Shamraz. Welcome back. And today we're talking about investments. Are you both well? Yeah, thanks. Good, thank you. Yourself? Investments, that's what we're talking about today. Jason, when we talk about investments, what does that exactly mean? Investments. So generally speaking, we all have money somewhere. We maybe put it in the bank building society. And any money that you find that you've maybe got over and above what you need for emergencies and everyday spending is money that potentially you can invest. And what you do when you invest money is that really, well, I suppose in a way you're sort of taking a gamble in the hope that you're going to make some profit on your money. But uh, it doesn't always turn out like that. Sometimes you can actually lose money. But in a nutshell, yeah, investments are, are looking at putting money aside into various types of investments to hopefully try and make more money. Sham, are there that different types of investments Indeed, Craig, many variations when it comes to investments. So this bit's going to take a bit of time. So when it comes to investments, try to imagine a vehicle which holds your money. The amount you input, withdraw, and how your money grows will be based on the type of vehicle. Investments can be complex, so try to break them down and uh, not take too long. (laughs) The most common one, and the one that everyone is familiar with, is cash. At some point, people will have had an instant access savings account where you can withdraw your money at your convenience without penalties but also receive a nominal amount of interest while you have the money on account. Another very popular cash investment is a cash ISA. Now, we've covered this on a previous podcast, so be sure to check that out for further details. Uh, These entail cash deposits where you're entitled to the return of your money with any growth payable as interest. There are some restrictions with various deposit accounts, namely fixed term and notice accounts, where making withdrawals within specified timeframes may carry penalties so be wary of them also not as common but available are foreign currency deposit accounts with these your money is held in your desired currency and work similar to the other deposits account deposit accounts but with the additional risk of movements within the exchange rates also available are fixed term securities such as bonds there are many types these can be purchased directly but also underpin a number of investment funds to add diversification that's needed with a bond you have a fixed amount of interest with a fixed redemption value and date to name one the government the government have their own version of a bond called uh, a gilt these don't have amazing returns but are backed by the government which limits the default risk for an investor and are favored by the cautious investment funds Equities, so we'll move on to equities. More commonly known as shares, you may have been tempted to invest directly at some point. Everyone knows someone who's dabbled in these. You may already have an investment, investments exposed to equities without even knowing. Those that are paying into a pension may be surprised to know that the underlying investments makeup is mainly equities. With equities, you purchase a share in a company in return for a dividend payment and capital growth if any the price you buy or sell the share can increase or decrease depending on a number of factors a few being economic policy uh, company's performance investor sentiment and also as we know just recently uh, coronavirus this does make individual share dealing extremely risky especially if you have little experience. Lastly, we have property. Your residential property is an investment in itself, as we have found property prices to increase over the years, which provides capital growth over the long term. Property can also be purchased 
to let out, buy-to-let properties are more and more favorable amongst investors with property appreciating at record levels over the past 20 years. Rental properties, whether residential or commercial properties, residential or commercial provide rental income as well as other potential for capital growth over the long term. Properties should be approached with caution as uh, there are costs associated with purchasing and disposing property. In addition to purchasing property directly, it's possible to participate through property funds. These are more complex than your single property transactions. And again, advice should be sought regarding these. There are other alternative investments such as art and collectibles and fail not to mention commodities and that pretty much wraps up pretty much wraps up the types of investments that are out there there are further subsections and that would take a complete podcast to cover but that is pretty much it thanks Sean. no that was a sort of a good detailed explanation of the sort of different types out there if i have a certain amount jason is there like a minimum amount that i have to invest strictly speaking no but what you'll probably find is that a lot of these investments will have within their own criteria sort of minimum and maximum limits that you can invest. So strictly speaking, no, but yeah, in reality, you're probably going to find that there are sort of limits as to minimums and maximums. And is that like on a is that on a lump sum basis? So I've got one lump sum to invest or can I do like a monthly contribution on it? Yeah. So again, it varies. Typically, if you're looking at a sort of monthly savings scheme, you, yeah, you, I've seen some that are set like £25 a month minimum. The majority is sort of £50 a month from lump sums. Then, yeah, I mean, again, there isn't really a, a limit, but a lot of products might insist that, you know, your minimum initial investment has to be £5,000, for example. So yeah, you can't really say carte blanche that uh, there are okay. minimums or maximums, but it will vary from sort of uh, investment to investment, really. Probably this is, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this, Sham, but is there a right time to invest? Sure. Yeah, Craig, there is no better time to invest than present. Yes, a downturn in the market can help make favorable conditions for certain investments, but this requires some caution. Contrary, some fixed rate investments will have less of a return due to poor market conditions. So the key words to remember are, it's not about timing the market. It's the time spent in the market that matters when it comes to these investments. Missing time spent in the market will reduce the growth of your investment considerably. Let me put some figures on this for you using the FTSE 100. If you invested £1,000 in 1989 and invested for the full 30 years, you would have been looking at around £13,500 as a moderate return today. Let's say you missed the best 10 days in the market due to encashment of your investment or trying to time the market and selling early or taking your money out at the wrong time, you would only see a return of around £7,000. That's £6,500 lost just by not being in the market for them best performing 10 days. The effect of this invest, sorry, the effect of this compounds further if you miss further time in the market's best performing days. We are aware certain investments can maximize returns if invested and disposed of within timeframes. Timing the market is difficult as multiple factors will affect the performance of an investment. Timing the market is best left to professionals, such as fund managers who have the collateral and scope for movements within the market. Okay, no, no, good. A clearer picture on that then now, Shanta. Why should I invest? Rather than sort of, if I've got loads of cash, stuff it under my mattress like people, I think people still do that as well. I, I do know some of the people that do still do that. But why should I invest rather than just stuff the cash in my mattress? The value of cash erodes over time, regardless where it is. You may or may not have heard of inflation. Inflation is the rate at which prices of goods and services increase. Let me give you another example. Put some figures on this one again for you. 
Let's rewind the clock to the 90s when a Mars bar would have cost I'm you. play some tunes by that. We, we could have played some tunes then. Some, I could have got some 90s classic tunes to interrupt that then. So go on, sorry, Sham. Let's rewind the clock to the 90s. 90s, because I was a 90s kid. Let's rewind the clock to the 90s where a Mars bar would have unlike cost you. Jason, unlike Jason in the 1890s. <laughs> Jason was a 90s child, just the 1890s. I never liked Mars bars, to be honest. Let's rewind the... Sorry, let me give you an example and put some figures on this one for you as well. Let's rewind the clock to the 90s, where a Mars bar would have cost you 30 pence. Today, that Mars bar will cost you around 60 pence. So taking that into account, as a chocolate enthusiast, imagine you kept £100 in cash specifically for the purpose of purchasing Mars bars in your mattress for the year 2020. So in the 90s, you would have been able to purchase 333 whole Mars bars, whereas today you will only be able to purchase 166. That's almost 50% less in purchasing power. Imagine saving in the mattress for other goals and objectives. Your buying power will be eroded by the effects of inflation. Money invested correctly can counteract the effects of inflation as your money has the opportunity to grow. So in conclusion, I would advise against cash under the mattress. Inflation aside, it's also a security risk. No, we get that. And uh, thanks for the rollback to the 90s and the price of Mars bars back in, ni- in the 90s, Sham. I didn't realize they were 30p. No problem. And now they're 60. Thank you very much no for that. Problem. Topic of the minute, Jace, obviously, is COVID. What impact has COVID had on the investment market? Yeah, good question. Well, yeah, it's strange. It's had some positive effects on the market and it's difficult to sort of generally summarise the effects that it's actually had. But markets, and I suppose if we talk about stock markets, the stock markets are all around the world and they're all doing different things at different times. They're never, they aren't always positive, completely correlated to each other. But certainly when we've got things like worldwide epidemics like COVID-19, then yeah, you'll find that it's affecting the whole world's markets and the whole world's economy as well. So I think COVID has had definitely an impact on the markets. It also presents a time when we're seeing businesses closing, we're seeing businesses struggling, but the underlying share prices as well of these businesses is starting to decline and go down, which is unfortunate for the businesses themselves, but they are great opportunities for anybody looking to invest at those times. The other interesting fact is that as well, and it's just been recently reported by one of the the mainstream banks that they're seeing a real upturn in the amount of deposit-based savings that they've got. And it's purely and simply down to the fact that people just aren't spending the money as they usually do. Yeah, that was funny because obviously that's what we were discussing earlier on today about people putting more into savings because they've not got the fuel, they're not going out, the fuel spend, they're not going out and things like that. So that does make sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. But just the thing to say with all investments, that there is always going to be some volatility involved with that investment it's just the nature of investments and this is as i said at the very beginning it is somewhat of a gamble when you look at investments you're hoping to make a profit but you know depending on what happens in these markets then potentially you can find yourself money's going in the wrong direction it's going downward and that's what we call volatility so when you are 
you know, looking to place money into an investment, you've really got to be putting money in there that A, you can afford to lose, but B, you can afford to sort of leave there. Because over, as Shams mentioned, it's, it's about the time spent in the market. So you can ride these yeah. storms. Yeah, that's nature of volatility. I still think with the COVID situation, it still presents a fantastic time to consider investments due to the fact that stock markets do seem lower than they normally are. Sham, Jason sort of talked a little bit about there, but what are the risks involved? So there are many risks when investing, as there are in general life. Some element of risk has to be taken in order to be rewarded. I'll through I'll run through some various risks. I'll run through the various risks. Some are applicable to all investments, but some are investment specific. So I'll try to just touch on them briefly. Firstly, default risk. This is the risk that an institution that holds your money, bank, building society, will default and become insolvent. In the UK, we have a services compensation scheme, which would mitigate this risk in certain circumstances, but only to specific threshold. So this should be reviewed prior to taking any investments. Next is capital risk. This is more prevalent in equities and somewhat property. The movement in price can cause negative effects as well as those desired positive effects. If the price in share was to fall below the purchase price, you will have had you will have the risk of capital loss. Similar with property. Should we see a downturn in the market, property market, you will see prices depressed with the risk of negative equity, should you have a mortgage as well. Liquidity risk is more common when trading frequently. This is evident with property, especially commercial property. Also applicable to shares and bonds, where it's harder to trade uh, if buyers are not entertaining purchases. Then there's market risk, which Jason's already touched on. The risk of interest rates, which can impact the market in general. With investment bonds, if interest rates fall, capital values rise, vice versa. Other risks, such as dividend risk, specific to shares and equities. And then you have your inflation risk which we discussed earlier one last one to touch on probably the more successful investor of our generation once said risk comes from not knowing what you're doing some risk can be mitigated but limited but the risk of not knowing can be mitigated by using a financial advisor thanks very much for that sham thanks no, no thank you so if i already have investments jason then in the world where we're living now where information and is key how am i kept up to date on my investments and the performance of my investments really good question and yeah it's so refreshing to see people actually keeping track of the investments and that's the key to this really these investments are yours and nobody else's so it lays firmly at your doorstep to make sure that you do know what's happening with your investments but so many people don't they have busy lives just as we all do and they forget about these things and yeah they don't have the finger on the button certainly what you do need to be um, taking on board is that you need to have your own advisor so like myself like sham and we look after our clients portfolios they've got access to the portals so they can switch the computer on log on to the system they can see exactly what their investment's doing that day and see what it's oh, okay. done yesterday the day before that it's pretty instant you can get updates on them we'll also send you regular statements so every year you're going to get a comprehensive statement sometimes these can be and i think this is what puts people off or leads to the misunderstanding sometimes they can look a little bit wordy and a bit too much jargon on there but certainly you know when you've got an advisor on hand then your advisor is going to sit down with you once a year so this is all part of your ongoing service now it's it's a choice of service but it's strongly recommended that you go for that option whereby your advisor is going to sit down with you and they're going to 
go through all your existing investments, any investments that have been recently made, and make any adjustments that need to be done as well, because that's the other thing. Once you start these investments, it's not a case of just leaving them and doing nothing about it. You've got to make sure you're checking on the performance, and that's exactly what your financial advisor will do for you. You touched on it a little bit there about keeping updated and you're informed of where, what, what your performance of your investment and things like that. Sham, can I change my investment once I've invested? Certainly you can. Investments are made specific to your goal, objective and risk profile. We find that over time, objectives or a client's appetite for risk can change. Investments can also be changed to reflect these. If you're using a financial advisor, this can be done easily. Financial advisors have available to them a diverse range of tools and investment. Each investment is objective specific. So taking a holistic approach, your advisor can formulate a solution specific for any change. Certain investments may have restrictions on access to changes, but these will have been highlighted to you on implementation and would not be made if future changes were to be anticipated within the restriction periods. Yeah, you can change them, but again, it would advise you to seek advice before you do. Before you do that, okay. Yeah. And like you said, it goes down to your own specific goals, objectives, and risk profile. So when mm-hmm. we, we talk about risk profile, that's something, like I said, people's risk profile can change as their lives change and their circumstances change, then their risk profile can change that as well. And obviously doing what you do is about understanding what the client risk profile is and then making the uh, the recommendations from there. So good, okay. So I have investments then, Jason, but what if I want to sort of take some of the money or... So we'll go back to that again with people's circumstances changing. Why if I want to take some the money out or all of the money out, is that something that I can do? Yeah, absolutely. Inevitably, at some point in your life, you're going to want to take this money out. And yeah, there's a theme running throughout here, I think, in, in that I think before you do, then you need to take advice. You need to sit down with your financial advisor because these can be that people need to pull on their investments before they originally intended to. So things early sort of access to the money. Now, that could be that that Chams mentioned previously about time in the market. If you take your money out of markets and investments at the wrong time, could be that you know there's going to be a real negative impact to your fund. So again, it's all about taking advice. The other thing as well to mention is that some investments, they may not allow access, at least for a certain or set period in time. So it might be that you've tied a lump sum of money up for a fixed five-year period, in which case there may not be any access at all throughout that period. And again, when you've got a portfolio of investments, which one do you take the money out of first? So it could be that some of your investments are ripe and ready to take money out of, it could be that others are not and, and you know it would be detrimental for you to access them so again it's advice 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 going back to what you were saying about implications and like the fees and charges that you have if you do take money out then you would know that from the start when so when you place that investment you would know how long it's tied up for as initial period the same as like a mortgage with a yeah. payment charge you're going to know from the start aren't you in terms of Wait before you actually invest that what the minimum time scale that amount yeah. is going to be invested with that person that company. yeah absolutely absolutely and things like you know potent when you sit down with initially with an advisor they're going to look at potential changes in your situation that might mean you might need access to that money you're never going to get the advice that you're going to put all your eggs in the one basket and tie it up for a fixed term of five years you've always got to have money set aside elsewhere certainly for money for emergencies for example but yeah generally speaking you're going to have an objective of what you're investing that money for. I think there are times when your circumstances change and you might need access to that money before you're intending to. 
but again, as I say, it, it's just a case of taking advice. But yeah, you're gonna you're gonna know exactly which uh, what investments are tied up, which ones aren't, and fees and implications thereof. Thanks very much. So I know you've sort of talked, both of you sort of talked quite a bit about the importance of a senior advisor. So Sham, is this something that I can do myself? Indeed, Craig, you can. You can invest it, invest yourself. People tend to do it when it comes to deposit-based savings. But all I will say is, given all the risks I've previously highlighted, the question would be how comfortable would person feel investing themselves? I mean, we all would love to invest uh, ourselves and reap the rewards. All I will say is that if it was that easy, then I think we would all be living in a world where everyone would be pretty well off. The number of people that I have seen dabble in equity specifically and initially have made money, but uh, later have had their money eroded due to buying and selling at the wrong time, share dealing and wheeling, as you you might know somebody down at the pub that might have invested in certain shares and then potentially made a bit of money, but then lost it in the long run. So all I will say is replaying what I said for uh, it's about time in the market it's a risky business just giving you sort of probably 30 seconds a minute sham of what why should i use an advisor i know we've probably covered this quite a bit but just really summarize why people should be using advisors to, to do this I think with investments, it's imperative to use an advisor. And going back to the quote, risks, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. Let's Then let's mitigate the risk of not knowing by using a, an advisor who does. An advisor will be able to invest your money in order to achieve your investment goals in the most tax efficient manner. Using an advisor is part of a, an ongoing relationship. It's just not a case of investing your money and leaving you to it. An advisor is there to answer your questions and make those all important changes as and when you, they are required. These are, there are, complex matters when investing that the average client will not be sure on how to deal with this is why it's imperative to use an advisor so i'm now thinking i want to invest jason what's the process i think what i'm going to say first you need to find yeah. an advisor yeah and here at cs retirement solutions yeah we'd be we'd be more than happy to sit down with you and, and discuss matters further so initially what you're going to want to do you're going to want to sit down and you need to have a clear sort of think about what it is that you want to achieve and there might might be various things that you're looking at achieving but yeah you want to tell your advisor as much as you possibly can if you want advice then you need to turn to us we've got website which is csmortgagesolutions.co.uk. Um, you can access that 24-7. We've also got live chat facility on there, so you can speak to us online if you wish. You can give us a call on 0330-332-5432. You could email us at hello at csretirementsolutions.co.uk. You'll find us on LinkedIn. You'll find us on Facebook. Gents, thank you so much yet again for being part and taking the time out to be You're part welcome. of the podcast of Mortgages, Money and More and giving us a great insight into the world of investments. If you have any questions or topics you want to discuss with us, please get in touch and see our websites, CS Mortgage Solutions or CS Retirement Solutions for contact details. Uh, next time, I'll be discussing remortgages with Lisa Harrison. Thank you for listening.